Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and today I am bringing back on uh, one of my favorite guests that I've had on in the past, uh, Emily Wanless. I have uh, had the absolute pleasure of getting to know Emily and her husband, Ryan, through doing this podcast over the years. And honestly, it's both of them to me just represent how amazing the ultra running community are. Um, because they're just so kind, so generous. They have amazing tales of adventure and endurance and all of this. Um, and I'm so excited to talk with Emily today because this conversation has it all. Uh, it's Halloween season, so we start start with some gore, you know, some injuries, some uh, some blood. She definitely uh, Ryan, her husband, sent me a picture before we did the podcast and it's like you need to talk to her about this and it was just scrape knees but to like the extreme you know what i mean it was like the uh the freddy krueger version of like when you fall down and scrape your knees it was pretty gory uh so we'll, we talk about that uh we talk about her experience running the leadville 100 this summer um we talk about the black hills race the black hills ultras which sound amazing um out there in south dakota uh we chat about high lonesome which is just sounds brutal from every person I've talked to about it. Um, and then we get into this really cool conversation about her ultra running course that she teaches. Um, and I'm she does a way better job at describing this, but essentially it's like an entry level college class uh, where you learn about you know, collegiate writing and public speaking and formulating arguments and things like this. And Emily bases the course on ultra running and they watch a bunch of cool documentaries. They get to interview um, some amazing people in the sport. And uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. This is a Like a Bigfoot podcast number 356 with the great Emily Wanless. Welcome back. I'm so excited to, to reconnect with you. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So I have to start with this. So I texted your husband, Ryan. Yes. And I was like, hey, anything I should bring up on the podcast? And he sent me basically pictures from a horror film. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and and he said, you should ask, we should ask Emily why she falls so much. <laughs> and then he said, this was Bear Butte. Oh, he sent you. Oh, I thought those were the ones from Leadville. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah these yeah, are different. Okay. So this happened also at Leadville. This happens every time I, every time. I this run. is like, like I am the, victorious. this is like the goriest. Yeah, like, that was a, ultra that was running niece. Like, you know, when like kids scrape their knees, you know what I mean? This is like the horror horror film version of that. They like were sitting there. I, I had so much adrenaline that I couldn't feel any. It, it literally never hurt. But like <laughs> they were like pulling their hands under the flap of the skin. They're like, oh, look how far it goes. <laughs> watching. Yeah, no, I'm like, I, it's not, I'm not proud of it, but it is something that I'm becoming quite um, known for. <laughs> eating shit <laughs> <laughs> was that was that during a race or was that trip like a training run so i had this brilliant idea it was at the very start of covid 
and um like when you weren't supposed to go to the hospital and I had just gotten after my dad because he had sliced his hand on a table saw and yeah. had to go to the car and I was like, you know, you're not supposed to do that right now. Well, also I'll say this. I think that was like right the last time I had talked to you guys for the podcast because you, you were back. out. Yeah, you were out in Alaska because Ryan was doing the Iditarod. Yeah, no, that was, we came back to a whole nother little world. Just crazy. So yeah. yeah. So I was um, just coming up with things to do and we have, um, so South Dakota, relatively flat. I mean, the hills have some some decent elevation, but we have this one area, one mountain called Bear Butte and it's about 1100 feet in a little over a mile, mile and a half. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great for training, um, but you got to do just a ton of repeats. And so my thought was I would do one additional repeat for every day of the week. So yeah. Monday I did one Tuesday. I did two. Um, this was Tuesday, by the way, that I did this. <laughs> so, I mean, but I, if you think about it towards the end of the week, I mean, I would have had a ton of elevation, ton of, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, but so it was a gross day and I thought, well, just go do it. And so I went and did my first repeat and it was actually the fastest that I had ever gone up and back down. And I'm a chicken running downhill. So I was feeling really, really pumped. So I went to go do my second repeat and got up there the fastest I'd ever gone. And I was like, this is awesome. So I'm just kind of cruising down. And there's one section at the very top, like maybe a tenth of a mile from the top. And it's a shale field. And I just ate it. And I, I was more mad at myself than anything because this is how I do it. And look, at how bad is it going to be this time? And I looked down and all I saw was like, blood and white and I thought it was the bone and I was like oh my gosh this is bad <laughs> I thought it was the fat that that was the what I had I saw but so I called Ryan and told him I fell and that I probably could maybe take a ride to the ER and he said you can't drive yourself and I was like I don't think so <laughs> um and so when he he got there he had a jacket and yeah so we went to the hospital and then went to the OR and had to get some stitches. Were they shocked? Like, had they seen anything like that? Uh, no, but, um, well, no, that's not true. They had one other person who had recently come in from a fall on Bear Butte. But they were doing a whole, like, well, we think we can stitch that up, but we're not quite sure we have the capability. And I was like, no, I don't really want to try this out. Like I would really like to just get it taken care of. So I <laughs> a different town because Sturgis ER couldn't handle it. So. Whoa, they couldn't just because. All right. So just to describe the picture, it's on the knees. So it's like split on the knee, right? So there's, there's one that goes horizontal and then there's one on the other leg that goes vertical. Oh, you got both covered vertical and horizontal. Yeah. 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 So it was, pretty deep i mean it was, it was yeah is it they pulling it on the in, they did stitches on the inside and then bigger stitches on the outside and okay that is wild part, but yeah. yeah oh my gosh the worst part was so this is back in the, i'm not a huge social media person like i use it but i i'm not that great at it and um i knew on instagram you have to swipe to see pictures. So I put the bloody ones at the end, but I forgot that on Facebook, it tiles it. And so people were like, dude, you gotta say something. And I, I was like, well, I thought I put a disclaimer. <laughs> you should have read the disclaimer guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I went once I was coaching football and I had just gotten through like a college rugby season, no injuries, totally fine. 
and I was coaching high school football and we were playing like touch football. So the coaches were out there playing and stuff and a kid's head hit me right in the chin and it just like burst the chin open and like it looked like I had like been in like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something like I was just <laughs> covered in blood like in a white shirt and I drive back to my apartment where my wife is and and I was like hey I know I have to go to the emergency room to get this stitched up but the season finale of Lost is on right now it's and always I, gonna spoil it if you don't watch it live. I'm like I really have been looking forward to this all week I want to watch it she's like no you need to go now I'm like Ugh. <laughs> and of course like I'm in the emergency room Lost is on the TV in the corner I'm like trying not to watch it but <laughs> I just remember the uh the people stitching me up my wife had told them like hey I'm I'm going into med school next year and she's like oh come here come closer and they started describing the stitches like as they're doing it they're like okay now we put the needle in here and i'm like i don't want to hear this at all what are you guys doing <laughs> but anyways not as bad as yours though that was that was gnarly and uh, so i did want to hear about leadville because i saw you run by and in my brain i thought i think that's emily and then I wasn't sure until we, we got back. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> so how'd it go? Like, was what, first of all, was that your first Leadville or not? It was my first Leadville. So uh, Ryan did Leadville in 2017. And that was our first experience at Leadville. Um, and he uh, DNF'd, uh, timed out at Winfield, got altitude sickness and yeah. a hailstorm he got his money's worth in only 50 miles <laughs> um but so that was our first experience destination location like crew and pacer coming out just for the run trying to navigate that course with like a thousand gajillion other people you know um we'd been doing south dakota and um, some smaller Minnesota races. And so driving into Twin Lakes <laughs> and having all those cars, we were just like, oh my God, this place is crazy. Yeah. So redemption in 2018 for Ryan when he became lead man. Um, and we met a couple of friends there that also are in the Leadville scene every year. They now have property there, good friends of ours. And so if we, if Ryan wasn't running, we were out there pacing or crewing somebody for the last five years yeah um and ryan has always been very kind in saying that he thinks that this is my kind of race yeah that um so i like the big mountain races um so i did ccc i did um wasatch and i've done i lonesome and none of those have gone very well <laughs> but i, I love them I have it in my notes to ask you about High Lonesome because just looking at the time comparison between that and your Leadville uh, this year, I'm like, whoa, I want to hear about Well, that. they're not the same beast. <laughs> so I want to be this amazing uh, mountain runner. And I just, I think I could, I could be, I just haven't been able to put the pieces together. <clears throat> yeah. And um, like Wasatch started great, middle, horrible finished strong although there was some blood involved in that one too um and so anyway uh and then i go and do these races that are a little bit flatter and a little bit faster and ryan's like you do great in those 
and I know you like the mountains, so you should really do Leadville. So mm. we've been talking about Leadville for as long as he's been doing it, that I should do it. And I always said I was never going to do 100 miles. And so then when I started doing 100 miles, he said, you got to do it. Is it because Leadville has that long stretch of flat running? I will tell you that one of the hardest things about that race is how much running there is. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's how a lot of hunters are. But my experience has been like, oh, I'm going to go power hike. Um, but it, it's it's a lot of running. Yeah. So it towards the end, it just became like I my legs felt fine. And I'm sure I could have run more than I did. But like the aerobicness of running, I just was like, I was over it. So um <laughs> So we had put in last year and didn't get in the lottery. And then we got in this year. And I don't know why we both put it. We put it in as a team, yeah. um, which was dumb because you got to figure out two sets of pacers, two crew. I mean, Ryan doesn't need any of that and he'd be fine without it. But um, it's more fun that way. He can't support me. I couldn't support him. And then who's going to drive home? I don't know. You know, <laughs> these things, like we should know better. That's the um, big question people don't even realize, you know, like who is going to drive home if you both do it? Well, and you got to get, you got to leave before the tunnel nightmare to get through Denver. And so it's like you get 30 minutes of sleep and then you got to, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we both got in um, and then he now has a job in which he can't train at all during the summer. Um, so it was probably not our best decision, but we were both there, towed the line. Um, so that's kind of why Leadville, I always just kind of heard about it, thought about it. Ryan made me believe that I could maybe do okay in it. So yeah. I had the confidence, um, but I wanted to do it right. I think because of that confidence that he instilled in me that I was like, I don't want to have to come back and do this again. I know enough about the course that I, I don't have any excuses. Um, cause I, through pacing, I had crew, I had paced every section. Um, but the last two during yeah. the race and yeah. I've run those sections. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've run that entire course. So I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, so I hired a guy to write a training plan for me. Um, I didn't need him so much as a coach. I'm pretty good with accountability and things like that, but I just felt like my training had stagnated in terms of race performance. Um, and I was just curious. It was like a piece of information, like what should I be doing according to an expert? Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but what <laughs> should I be doing? I was not the best at following it during the winter. Um, we had a, we had a cold winter that made the trails, we had snow early and then it never melted. And so yeah. the trails, we're just like a sheet of ice for running. No good. So a lot of flat miles that didn't seem to translate, but knowing what I now know about Leadville, I'm glad I had the base of running a ton. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, I felt really confident in my training. Um, I did, I jumped into the Black Hills 50 miler, which uh, was not according to, I, we decided like the week before and I, I do a lot of volunteering for that race. So the race directors let me jump in at the last second. Um, and that went really well. And it was similar in kind of a lot of running. And I know that course really well as well. I've never done any of the Black Hills races. I'm the only one of my friends, only one in, of all trail runners in South Dakota, I think, who have never done a single one of those races. You're guaranteed the only one in South Dakota that hasn't done it. 
I know it was crazy. So <laughs> I mean, it's too much fun to pace and crew. So yeah, run the beer mile. I mean, these are the important things, and of course, actually participating. <laughs> but yeah, so that went really well. Yeah, I saw you got first in that one. You did, yeah, crushed it. Was, it. it was a lot of pressure, and so another good training kind of simulation was I was I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well, and I, you had no excuses to mess that up. Uh, and you you better go from the get go, like just go and yeah. race hard. Um, we had horrible weather that ended up being really fun at the end. It just downpoured on us the whole time. But what what happens in your head when you realize you're in first place? Do you know what I mean? Like I've had it weird where as soon as I'm doing really well, that's when my brain turns against me. And just like every horrible thing that I've ever thought about myself comes out. And it's just like, you're gonna mess this up, dude. There's no way you can do this. And like all that self, like that to me, that is like the real battle of that. Yeah. Um, well, one, I'm an oddly not competitive person. Probably because I think my mental game is very weak. <laughs> uh, so it's very much if somebody were to like close the gap, I'd be like, well, they deserve it. And I'm falling <laughs> apart. So I can only do what I can do. Yeah. Um, and so on that day, I did what I thought was manageable. For a while, it looked like it wasn't manageable. I mean, I was doing like self-massaging uphills because I thought my my quads are going really bad. Um, but you know, I had a friend, Colleen, who I ran the first half with, and she's a strong, strong runner. And so I thought, you know, if she's having a good day and she stays and then passes me, like that's good for her. Yeah. Um, but it became increasingly clear that I was kind of separating and doing okay. Um, and then the weather got so bad that like no one was running anymore. So then it was like, okay, well, I'm I can walk as much as I'd like. Yeah. <laughs> nobody else is running. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really good. And it was, my sister was there who is my crew chief now for most of these races. Nice. And the community of that race is, I'm sorry to everyone else who thinks that their race scene is the best. Black Hills is the best weekend. We look forward to it all year. We've developed so many friends who come. And so it's just a huge family reunion. I'm writing it down. Black Hills 100. Every time I talk to you and Ryan, here's what happens. You guys mention races and I'm like, well, I got to do that one. You, you know, do like... it. <laughs> it's, it's got an old, old school feel. It's, there's not really any flares, but the trail is beautiful. Um, the, the hardest part is the unknown. In a way, it's a little Barkley-esque in that respect that, I mean, the weather could be one mm, of them. Yeah. Different um but everybody who's done it i think loves it so okay all right i just i just put a star by it i put a one star by it and then you come back and you do all of them and they give a bison skull to it's called the man in black or the woman in black or the person in black maybe it's what they've changed i don't know but it's a a bison. i mean like a big huge bison skull now i just put five stars i just put five stars by that now i added four more stars <laughs> the curious question is how people go about the order my favorite are the people who like do the hundred first yeah and they're like oh, i gotta do the 30k to get my skull and you're like <laughs> you're getting it this year yeah that's awesome i think i mean a nice bison skull would look great in my classroom i think 
that's also another fun part is to hear where people keep their bison skull. Ooh, what's have you heard of like the weird like a weird spot or anything or is it all like in my No, a lot room? of it's a lot of um marital angst of <laughs> <laughs> where it goes, how, what level of priority it gets in the house decor is what I usually hear. <laughs> I was just thinking what I said in my living room, I'm like, I wonder how that go over if it was just a giant bison skull in my living room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> good night, uh, everyone. That's good funny. night. Good night, Bison Skull. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. All right. So, Black Hills. And then, like, I don't know. So, Leadville, how did the day go? Obviously, you said you, at one point, you, you fell and banged your knees up again. Yes. Well, in all fairness, I called that. My friend who ran the race as well, we were hanging out the week before. Um, and he, I, I said, I just know like that the section around turquoise, Lake, it's flat enough. It's, but it's technical enough. Yeah. That's where I'm going to eat it. I know it, it won't be coming down hope it won't on the backside where it's super steep. That won't be where it is. It'll be on the flat part. And sure enough, um, and, well, I got good advice and I would pass this along to anybody who's interested in kind of strategizing Leadville that you got to go from the beginning and to get ahead of the Congo line. Yeah. Develops around uh, turquoise. And I wasn't quite sure what that meant because in my head that meant like seven and a half minute miles. And I was terrified of that. And then I kind of talked to a few people and they're like, no, like nine, nine and a half. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. That seemed manageable. Um, and I will say that that race is not crowded. If you do that, like when I ate it for the first time, I was um, by myself. Actually, both times I, I ate it, I was by myself. And I couldn't believe that that, I thought I'd be like trampled. There'd yeah. be so many people, but there weren't. So yeah. Um, so I, you got to hammer it from the, from the start, but then it's, it's pretty decent. Um, Turquoise Lake is in the dark. And uh, at mile nine and a half, I just down. Um, and that made some bloody knees. And then about three quarters of a mile later, I did the exact same thing. Um, but this time the first thing that impacted was the hard plastic top of my hydration bottle, Ooh. which ended up being after the fact, like three weeks of recovery really? to, well, to breathe, um, because, um, it was either bruised or fractured. They couldn't tell which meant it didn't matter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like no snot rockets, no cough. You have the hundred mile cough and you cannot cough. You have to like work yourself up to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, but my goal for Leadville was the big buck bill, big belt buckle. Yeah. Which is sub 25. Um, which if you, as you saw, my last results were nowhere, nowhere near that. But I thought I could maybe do it, except for I made the made the uh, mistake of looking like the day before at the last year's results because I met a girl who told me she was third in her age group, and I was like, oh, I wonder what how, how fast that that was. Yeah. And then I saw that only like three women sub twenty five, and I was like, oh no, that's not me at all. Whoa. <laughs> so that was a little bit like oh, and I had been pretty public at least with my circle that yeah. that was cool and i'm not usually somebody who you know is very forthright with like a goal um but i had been and i went oh god i can't walk it back now um and i had had lectures with my crew and my pacers like don't let me 
like be nasty you know yeah. i i, I want to do this and i know how i am and you just have to say like you can walk lady <laughs> <laughs> um and so that should be on a shirt on your shirts. <laughs> you can walk lady let's go <laughs> You can shuffle at this point, yeah. <laughs> but so it happened early on, and um, I immediately it was I could feel the the blood trickling, and I was like, "Oh, this is embarrassing." But I did not want to stop and take care of it. I didn't care. It didn't hurt. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much it was bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> so it looked really bad. Um, and by the time I got to my crew at mile twenty whatever 26 i think outward bound um one of my crew was a doctor and he was like and i was like don't no it's it is crusted over it is not bleeding anymore if if i, if I fall again that will be a barrier like we're just leaving it and so i i ran with it the entire race and it wasn't until the out and back at hope when you made the turn that all of the runners could see it yeah. And so then it became a fun talking point because people who were suffering totally got it. And I was like, oh no, it's fine. You, I feel so sorry, you know. So <laughs> it became kind of a, a source of entertainment in a way. To, That's funny. To commiserate with my fellow runners. Though. Do they still do like I remember doing some races in Virginia where they would do like best blood would be like one of the categories at the awards ceremony. And I'm like, bring that back, you know? You know, I think I would have a chance at contending at most races. <laughs> <laughs> but, awesome. Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I saw you run through at Twin Lakes and it was super hot. Like it was probably I don't I mean, I don't know the history of Leadville or anything, but it had to have been one of the hotter days because I think it was like 80, 85 degrees in Leadville, which is like way up in the mountains like obviously like super high elevation I'm like man it just doesn't get that hot and the sun just feels extra like just zapping you of all your energy like even just standing there cheering people on i was like man i can't even imagine being out there running in this well that was definitely the hardest hottest part of the course <clears throat> that i experienced i never thought it was that bad and i don't know why that is because um, yeah. usually i don't particularly well in the heat yeah um i did there was supposed to be a water stop in between um ski patrol and twin lakes and there was definitely not one there on the way out i i heard and i don't know this that it was set up by the time kind of mid backpack runners went through and it was there although it was empty <laughs> when we came back yeah yeah um but so, like there were people i was running with that um were drinking from the streams which some people do some people don't and they're like do you think this is okay and i was like totally fine and they're like really and i'm like what do you care if you need water like it'll be a future you problem and so just drink it and say this girl told you it was fine <laughs> um but people were really i think hurting for from the heat and and getting behind on water i luckily i the year before when i had paced that water stop was not there that i remembered and so yeah. i kind of reserved a little bit and i'm glad i did so it was hot but i don't i don't think it 
was too much of an impact for me. What was an impact for me is that I got behind on calories mm. always. Um, so I, I kind of bonked a little bit about the same time. So maybe the heat in combination and I just blame it on bonking. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But yeah. So was that uh, like it, the worst part happening. for you or did you like, cause it seems like you had a pretty amazing race. I did. Well, it was really hard. It, it was so probably the most frustrating part was going up hope right when I was at this low point was the part I had prepared for the most. And I felt really the most confident in, um, my training had gone really well. I obviously love the mountains and hiking. I, I, a lifetime of being a short person, I'm a pretty fast walker, um, and hiker. Uh, and I just died a slow death and I was really disheartened by that. But then I started thinking like, the experience that you cultivate that you don't even really know that you're cultivating it until it happens. It kicked in. I was like, eat a sandwich and chill out and you will be fine. Yeah. Whereas previous races, it's like full on panic mode. The wheels are falling off and they'll never come back on. And it was like, no, you're fine. It's going to suck, but suck. It. Hope is always going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> It, it, at least it's not also a like, t-shirt also a t-shirt hope is always yeah. gonna suck <laughs> yeah right hope is always gonna suck but it's it's not like it was ruining like the super runnable part that yeah yeah you know so um you're gonna have to walk that part anyways basically you're like right well, I, yeah. I would have had to slow down anyways so what's the big yeah, deal it's, it's never fun to go that slow though i mean it's such a slow and then the backside, and then you gotta turn around and go do it again yeah um, and I was getting passed by a lot of women at this point. Um, I kind of yo-yoed with a bunch of them and that was never the goal to be anywhere near the front. It was to do that 25 sub 25. So I kept telling myself like each time somebody passed me, I was like, that wasn't your goal. Like, <laughs> just don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and, and so then I got down to Winfield, made the turn wonderful, wonderful volunteers who were like, should just eat some more and I was like you're right and she's like it's so much better to eat now when you're low before you go up high I'm like oh, you're so right and you know so <laughs> she convinced me she suggested I jump in the creek which that helped a ton and you know you relay that to the people that are coming in that are really hot and I don't know it just felt like a little bit of a suffering brotherhood out there where kind of everybody just is in a low point the the hard part was, so I used my friend, Andrew had done sub 25, uh, two years ago. And so I had his, uh, pace chart that he yeah. used and I didn't realize, I think how much of a buffer he had given himself in hope. And so here I am at my low point thinking my goal is out the window, but I also know the split and I'm like, but I think I'm actually still like 15, 20 minutes ahead of where I should be. Uh, and so the hope never completely dwindled and died. It yeah. was just kind of like flickering. And it yeah. was, <laughs> but then as I started feeling better, it was like, oh, well, maybe it's coming back to me. Yeah. Um, so I got back to Twin Lakes and picked up my pacer, Clay, um, who I do a ton of training miles with. And he is just tons of positive energy and you know, he took it seriously when he was like, let's run. And I had told him before, there's this section that I always pace and no one I've ever paced has been able to run it, but it is so delightfully runnable. And I said, I want to be in a position where I can do that, which he reminded me, I said that. Yeah. And 
I kind of had to do it more than I wanted to. I definitely didn't take advantage as much as I wanted to, but yeah, it was good. Um, and then, but so the hardest part of that race besides all the running was I've never been somebody that pushes cutoffs. I've never really had to worry about that. Thankfully, uh, especially now that I know how this went, I'm so yeah. thankful that I don't have to. I'm more impressed by people who can not only have the physical endurance to go this far, but the mental stamina to just be that stressed the whole time on top of it. Yeah. Um, But this was the closest thing I had ever been to like chasing cutoffs and just working for a particular pace and goal. Because your cutoff was 25 hours at that point. That's what you're trying to go for. Yeah. I mean, it was never a question of like, will you finish like that? I I when I made the turn, it was fine. We were going to get it done. But what I couldn't tell and my crew couldn't tell was if I could still make the goal. And I just wanted that decision to be done. Either you're good or you're not. But this whole like limbo for 20 something miles was just exhausting on top of everything else. Um, So that was just really, it was, I'm so grateful to have experienced that because I think I have a better sense of what it's like um and it was definitely a more competitive aspect that I've never really tapped into where it's like you said you wanted this this particular goal not finish not do well and have fun but like this target you know what you need to do now go and do it and don't make excuses I've never been able to do that yeah so you know and then my brother-in-law jumped in for the last pacing section and he has two teenage children and I was like as nasty to him as a teenager (laughs) he's like let's run and I was like no give me my ginger ale and he was like uh you drank all your ginger ale and I was like no I didn't I know I didn't I mean I was a snot little brat to him and he was so grateful um but like it was things like we were doing all this all this math yeah and I knew where he was coming from that like a little bit of a buffer would be lovely. And so it's like, if you do a couple miles, it's 16 minute miles. Yeah. You 18 minute miles for the last 10. And you're like, adds up. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then I look down and I'm like, why are we doing 11 minute miles? And he's like, well, because you can. And I was like, I can't. (laughs) He's like, that adds up too. I know. And we're arguing over whether or not we're going uphill or downhill. And he's like, Emily, we're going downhill i'm like it is uphill i i know it's uphill and you know so i apologized profusely and he was <laughs> wonderful and um it was great he became like this little pied piper with all of like the half dead you know he's like come join us we'll run he's very extroverted so he was perfect for <laughs> that's amazing yeah but probably the funniest part of that whole race this is my funny story is um this happened at high lonesome too okay. my back it just doesn't it i probably should do some core work i'm sure but um it just gets tired and it kind of spasms up and cramps and it becomes uncomfortable well i was tired of fixating on time and i was tired of fixating on all this running and so i became obsessed with this pain in my back and i didn't have my pack on at this point i mean it was i was fully taking advantage of the muling at leadville yeah and I was like, Ben, I really, I mean, I was picking up rocks and like trying to like self massage, not in my back and I couldn't get it. And Ben, will you just awkwardly rub my back? And he's like, <laughs> eh, you know, so I'm like, no, like, grr. 
and that wasn't working anymore. And I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. And we probably had like six miles left maybe. Yeah. It's dark and we're relatively by ourselves. And I had a tank top on at this point and I just took my strap or my, my sports bra, pulled it off and wore it around my waist and just let things go. And I, I didn't care. I mean, we weren't running that much anyway. So then it was kind of like, you like hold them, whatever. I'm like trying to like stretch it out. So then it was cold and Ben doesn't know, Ben, my brother-in-law doesn't know that any of this is going on. I'm behind him, like a little child being drug along. And it gets cold. So I go to put my long sleeve shirt on, but then I realize that we're near the finish. I'm not going to take it off. So I should probably get dressed again. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, if you've ever seen or heard of a woman trying to get into a sports bra period, but plus being sweaty and like <laughs> swollen from salt and, <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing back there? And I, oh, I'm putting my bra back on and he's like, what i'm like don't worry about it we're so close to the end like just keep going so like oh my god this is like what happens to people when 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 people ask like what is it like to run 100 miles i'm like these are the decisions that (laughs) these are the biggest decisions of it do i need to puke first or after you know (laughs) that's the part that's the part uh I feel like Billy Yang, we we talked before we started recording about Billy Yang video. Mm-hmm. I feel like he needs to put that in. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of stuff he needs to do a whole video of just people at their lowest moments. Like I remember walking up this road and like I my vest is like half on, half off. And I'm I have a sandwich in a, a like a Ziploc bag, but it was so hot the sandwich like melted. And it was gross. It was like a mayonnaise, like turkey that's mustard. Good, that yeah. That's oh, it's good. good. I mean, it's good normally, but when it's like over a hundred degrees and the sandwich is now slush. Yeah. And I remember just stumbling up this road, just trying to like drink a sandwich out of a out of a plastic bag. And the a car pulled by with the race director in it. And he's like, You're doing okay? I'm like, Yeah, man, I'm doing great. And uh, I'm sure I look like shit in that moment. And yeah, but it's one of my favorite moments to think back on, you know? Right. They should do a study about like how people's packs become like the telltale sign that the wheels are just coming up. Like every time I hit like the lowest of low, it's like a bottle is hanging out. <laughs> one, one shoulder has to come all the way off. And you're just like, I mean, at one point at high lonesome, I was dragging it behind me like a teddy bear, you know, like <laughs> at like their blanket. And I was yeah. like, stupid thing. And so. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, like Killian Jornet like fell in hard rock yeah. and he like dislocated his shoulder and he was only like 15 miles in and then he ran 85 miles. He like used his, his vest to like, make like a makeshift cast or whatever mm-hmm. and that dude still looks super cool you know what i mean there's footage of him descending down this trail and, he, and by descending i mean hauling faster oh, yeah. than it would ever go and he's just like like in his sling just yeah i maybe it doesn't apply to killian journey i don't know nothing does nothing does no he's legendary well so you finished uh sub 25 so you got the big buckle i did yeah yeah. how did that feel 
that buckle is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize how big it was, but it is quite large. Um, it felt really good. Uh, and I, you know, you always have the pressure of like, you don't want to let your crew and your pacers down and they don't, I mean, I think they wanted it, but they didn't want it like to the expense of anything other than me having a good time. And, yeah. But it was nice to celebrate with them. We got to go nap for a little bit and then go back for a golden hour, which is our favorite thing ever. Um, I yelled at Ryan for getting green sauce on my city on a hill um, breakfast burrito because that's too spicy and I can't handle that. And all I wanted was the burrito. Yeah. Um, but no, we had fun and I don't know. It just felt good. Our friend Brandy finished Lead Woman. So that was Heck yeah. to celebrate. And that's sweet. Just a good time. Then you and got you know, top 10. He did. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, did they do like a whole thing at the ceremony and everything or what? Uh, They did. So they do age group. Okay. Not any sort of like overall. Well, they do overall, but I wasn't that good. And <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. So I got second in my age group. And oh, nice. Stood next to a very tall woman um, and then next to an equally tall woman. And <laughs> like a child. But, <laughs> yeah, it was great. The whole thing was. I worked really hard for yeah, that. You did. And uh, it was nice to be able to finally put the pieces together because I've not been able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Was it like super inspiring where now you're like, oh man, it just opened up like a whole new world of what I want to do? Or was it, I don't know, like how did it, how have you, because it's been probably what, like over a month now, like how have you been processing it? Uh, it's funny. Um, I always say that when you've done your training right, you're always looking forward to taper. Yeah. Because you're just there. You're ready to taper. You yeah. done the work. I felt that way. Um, and afterwards I have relished in not doing anything. I have nothing on the calendar. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, so I was dealing with that chest thing and my legs felt great. And I'm like, like I and other things to do. And then I was like, you know what? you don't need to do something right now. And so I've got nothing going on. That's awesome. It's kind of lovely. It's fun to think about all the potential for next year. Um, and I think I want to put myself in a situation where I could maybe do something, not that Leadville was not challenging, don't get me wrong, but like more towards that pendulum back to mountain elevation and see if I can continue to put the pieces together in that type of race, Yeah, knowing that I can do it. So Black Hills 50 was the first time I ate and drank as a person should. <laughs> and it was lovely, shocker <laughs> to know that if you eat and drink like you should, yeah. you're going to be pretty good. And I came closer to that with Leadville, but still not 100% there. But what I liked about it was that it gave me the confidence going into Leadville that I know what I need to do and I can and I can make myself do it. And I yeah. feel like so now I need to do that at the type of race that I idolize and want to be able to do really well at. Yeah. So that's yeah. the goal moving forward. And can I hear can I hear a little bit about High Lonesome? So that was the summer before, I think. Yeah, summer before. Yeah, that was the summer before. And it so was I mean, it's a different race. Like that kind of seems like the race you're talking about when you're saying like these big mountain races. Yeah. So um that I don't, I don't know <laughs> where, what was going to be the problem, but there was probably going to be a problem. I yeah. mean, it's just big, it's a big race yeah. in terms of 
you're at altitude and you've got all the climbing. Um, I had paced it before with my friend, Brian, and I paced 40 miles uh, of that in 2019 when I was preparing for CCC. So I had a sense of what the course was like, um, but not really like the whole, like put it all together. You don't have a <laughs> sense of it. But um, I was going through some breathing issues that year. It turns out I have like basically asthma. I didn't know or developed some sort of lung thing. Yeah. And it was given um, an albuterol inhaler that um, I used every time I ran in the first five miles and then I would never need it again. And I forgot it. Oh. And it was just not even something I had thought. It was brand new. I had only been using it for a couple of weeks and I forgot it. And I realized as we were running through like the first 10th of a mile through the chute and you don't see your crew until mile 30 there. And so I, I panicked. I had a huge asthma attack and I just got behind the ball and I freaked out. And that race got really hot and I ran out of water at that race. Yeah. But I've never... I've never experienced this, but at mile 30, you go and you do the big pass, go up towards Antero and you come back down. That is not a runnable downhill. (laughs) It's slower going downhill. And you think, oh, that's going to be a great section to make up. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, And then you go up this beautiful pass and I'm so far behind where I thought I was going to be. So mentally I'm struggling physically. I don't know what that asthma thing did to me probably more mental than anything. Yeah. Uh, but I got down, I passed Dave Mackey in the bushes. Like he's on the struggle bus and he's like amazingly strong. Yeah. And it's an out and back. So you're seeing people and they look great and you feel like crap. And I got down to my crew and I've never felt this before, but I was like, I have to take a nap. <laughs> they were like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to sleep. I don't, I can't, I cannot keep my eyes open. I was late. I was climbing up that mountain like falling asleep really that's altitude i think yeah yeah but so my sister this is the first time crewing me was like oh this is okay this is happening ryan's calm cool collected he's like everybody just leave her alone ryan's always calm cool and collected i know (laughs) he's so good his role now is to take pictures and like chill me out that's basically Um, but yeah, so uh, I took a nap at mile 30. That's awesome. And then um, picked up, I did a slight rebound, uh, got real hot. So then I got real pukey. Uh, then I picked up my pacer and things went really, you know, went much better. He saved my life. John, I'm here to say, John saved my life. There's a section on there called um, going up to purgatory, which is an aid station that literally is at the top and it is so far away. It takes forever. You feel like you're in purgatory because you never get there. <laughs> never gets any closer. Um, but it's a huge climb to get up there. And I fell because that's what I do. Uh, but I fell towards the, the side of the mountain that Ooh. there is no side of the mountain. Yeah, it's you don't want to fall really, towards that side. He has a, a young daughter about your daughter's age. And he literally like laid on top, like just like threw his body so that I didn't keep falling. He just way. went straight up dad mode. Yep. Yep. Whoa. Which is funny because um, so I'm trying to find this picture on the top of my on the fly. I don't know if I will. But so um yeah, so I was doing better and my buddy Brian that I had paced was doing the race again. And we had started off together. I had my little asthma thingy, 
And so I lost him. I never saw him again. And he was crushing it. He was doing so great. Um, he's going for sub 30, like everything's great. And we get to that purgatory section and we're at the aid station. And all of a sudden he's like, Hey guys, and we're like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, I had to take a nap for like forever up here. I'm like dying. And we were like, no, join us. So we hooked up with him and we we're able to run, um, you know, with him. And then I'm trying to find this picture is worth it when you say dad mode. So all of my running friends are like, John is the shortest. I think it's six, four. Wow. Um, and then, sorry, this is really bad. Um, anyway, uh, Brian is six, seven, which we found it as he was the tallest person at High Lonesome and, um, legally a, a giant is apparently what that means. He was the highest person at High Lonesome, but not oh in the Colorado way. I don't know that we've ever thought about it that way. <laughs> oh, right. Um, he should have got a special award. I'm telling you, I think. All of these special awards need to be brought back. So there's the three of us. <laughs> um, but here's the best part. They're like a okay, foot. So yeah. It's canted. Okay. So it's slightly exaggerated. But this is the picture that we got. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I'm like, Brian, I'm like your little child. And I mean, it's ridiculous. It looks but. like that's like a, like, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings kind of thing. You know what I mean? Totally. But here's what I would say about High Lonesome is that you, you, the sun rises and you're at Monarch Pass and it is stunning. Yeah. The crew is so uplifting and you are like, yeah. I am almost done. And then they're like, no, you have 30 more miles to go. You're like a 50K. I have a 50k and the sun just came up yeah and you knew how hot it was the day before yeah it is demoralizing to yeah. know that you have that much more to go and it's going to take you forever everything i've heard about that race is that it's really really hard it was really really hard <laughs> but you got it done i did I was did. it pure stubborn will I, I, it was, I want to be done. I'm so over, I'm so over. So that that's the hard part, right? Is that I'm, I'm intrigued by these big mountain races that all of their cutoffs are like 34 plus hours. <laughs> I have no yeah. desire to be out there for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I got to figure that one out. But nice. yeah, that's awesome. But yeah. It's a wonderful race. I mean, the race director, I've never met somebody who is more thoughtful, I think. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the race that he puts on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got some friends that put on amazing races, but he just seems to think about like things. I'm always like, oh, I would never even worry about that. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And the class of runners, that's another thing is it's all of these mountain runners that are just amazing and that you would never hear of because that's not why they do it. And, yeah. but they're like freaks of nature. <laughs> There's a bunch out here, you know, like was, that. every time I see those green shirts from the, what is it? The running club, uh, the bolt, is it Boulder running club? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. They always have green and they come in full force. There's like a gajillion of them and they're yeah. all like the biggest studs out there. That just like, happens in Boulder. Rocky mountain, Run Rocky mountain runners. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, anytime I'm in Boulder and I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm in good shape. I'm having go a good <laughs> training plan. I go to Boulder and then like middle school kids sprint up the mountain faster than me. 
as I'm like huffing and puffing, you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, and they just go up no problem. Like, oh, it's Boulder. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do want to. I totally do it. Great race. Oh, yeah. Nice. I want to hear a little bit. We were talking before we started recording. You teach a college course and you started using kind of ultra running as the, I don't even know, like, I don't, I guess I'll let you explain it. It sounds really, really cool though, but I'm curious to hear what your students' reactions to ultra running when they're not, they may not have like been a part of the community or done the ra- a race before or anything like that. Oh, we spend the first like three weeks just trying to get them to wrap their head around. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I used to start the class off. Well, let me back up. So the class is a first year seminar which is a course that every first year student takes and it incorporates common content across every class, uh, some orientation, some writing instructions some public speaking, and then critical thinking, like basic skills we want to make sure that every student has. And then the professor gets to use a theme of their choosing to, de- to deliver that content so that it's not just like I'm teaching commas and that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm a political science professor, so I started with um, religion and politics. And the students didn't, 18 year olds don't want to talk about religion and politics. They've been told they're not supposed to talk about those things. <laughs> and they're not quite ready to do it in front of their peers week one of college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All so, these people they haven't met yet. Yeah. They're like, hey, let's talk about abortion. Like, that sounds like a great time. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. Uh, hey. Like, yeah, this is so, what college is? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it was not. It was not my finest hour. So. <laughs> I rethought one summer and I somehow stumbled upon, I wish I could remember how, but I found this old syllabus from a professor at Lehigh University in like 1993. I mean, it was for way in advance of what we had instituted here at Augustana. Yeah. And his was on ultra running and he had them subscribe to ultra running magazine and they would have to do um, reports on articles that they read. They had to read running related books uh, they had to write papers about those. They had to interview people in the community. He had them go to the community and like interact. And I thought, oh God, this is perfect. And so I created a course in which we would introduce them to running uh, or, or ultra running. And then they w- would use that as content for learning about fragments <laughs> or yeah. argumentation. So most of the class is either spent reading a book or watching all the YouTube documentaries that we all watch as ultra runners. Um, And then I have had wild success in getting guest speakers, a testament to the community. The students always ask me like, how did you get them? And I was like, I just said, I've got a course on ultra running and I want to introduce you to these college students. And people never tell me no. That's awesome. So I've had Sarah Lavender Smith. We used her book as the textbook. Yeah. Which kind of fun. She thought that was hysterical. Her book is a textbook. I was like, it is. And um, I've had Billy Yang on multiple times. Billy is very gracious with his time. Um, we read Born to Run. And at the end, I have them guess who is going to come on. Um, and they always guess uh, one of the main characters. Yeah. But I always get Chris McDougall. <laughs> He's a wild storyteller. So he's a super entertaining. The first time he did it, he's in Hawaii now. And the class, my class time can't change. So he got up at like four o'clock in the morning 
and sat on his lanai in the dark to not wake up his family. And so it's just like, like there's you can't see him but he's telling these amazing stories he just looks like the wizard of oz like kind of and so the, next year, the only thing showing up the next year when i got to see his face I, he was so animated you know with his storytelling yeah. but then to add in the the physicality of it, <laughs> it was so much better but um last year billy brought on tim tollefson oh that's cool um scotty coomer from 10 junk miles yeah was probably the most amazing speech i mean he had the students just like it was (laughs) so great um and then i bring in local runners so the very first week i have a panel of ryan kari awesome um, brian cuts who i don't know that you know um and then my friend clay that paced me is a former augustana student so he's closer to them in age and like um he was a college athlete, all my classes, college athletes. And so he really resonates with them and they just kind of get a- addicted. But the, the thing I didn't tell you is last year we put on an ultra marathon. No way. Yep. And so I did a mile course around campus and we did a 24 hour event. What? Anybody who did an ultra marathon or more, well, more than a marathon got an automatic A on their last paper. They still had to do the work, but they would get an A no matter what they did. And then whoever did the most miles got an automatic A in the class, uh, provided that they do the the required university stuff. I couldn't control what I couldn't control. (laughs) Yeah. So I had in November, we set up an aid station. All my running friends came and manned the aid station. No way. That's so cool. We opened it up to the whole community. We had poor communication, so uh, it wasn't widely attended. But I had uh, two students duke it out, and um, one of the cross-country kids won, and he did 30, I think he did 34 miles, maybe. That's awesome. Um, But one girl did 32 miles, and the longest she had ever run was I think nine miles before. Wow. And she, I mean, she couldn't walk the next day. I felt kind of like irresponsible of me, but I just kept telling them to walk. And then I had two students who walked an ultra marathon for, I don't know, it was probably like seven or eight hours. Wow. They just the whole thing, but they wanted that A. It's funny. They'll go through physical and mental anguish to not have to write this paper. <laughs> like, guys, you could have written your paper by now. Well, so it's so funny because I, I had texted you earlier this week. I'm like, my kids have a jogathon, yeah. and it's not a mile lap, but it's like a lap, and it's all these little kids just legitimately just sprinting as fast as they can. It's so funny out of the gate, and my middle kid like just kept going. I like texted my wife. I'm like, she's like the energizer bunny right now. She <laughs> will not stop. But then every time she saw me, she'd just be like, oh, like she was so tired. And then she just starts sprinting again. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is kind of like what people would experience in any sort of race where they just hit a wall, but keep going. And, and her motivation was not an A. Her motivation was a headband. They had oh, cool wow. headbands, you know? You know, maybe that was their motivation too. I don't know. It was funny though, because... um you know, in college, you have lofted beds, and none yeah. of them could get into their loft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. I got to hear stories. The best stories were the stories I heard from their roommates about how 
that's they just felt fun. afterwards. But you know, I was really proud of them. But it was great because they had friends come and join them. They're like, and they'd come by and they'd be like, "It's our crew, it's our pacer." And so oh, they like, cool. pick up like the little nuances of the sport. They yeah. They wouldn't eat at first, and then by the end, they were like eating Oreos like crazy. I'm like, see, you guys understand how it works. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and then the last thing they do is a research project, and they get to pick their topic. And the goal is that the topics are very um, versatile to demonstrate how you can take almost any subject and study it from a lens that you care about. So, like all of my pre med students, they write a topic on why. Um, females seem to be on par with men the longer the distance and they yes. get into the physiology of it. Um, my students interested in social justice, I have them talk about how inclusive the sport is and how do we make it more diverse. Um, for the students who like to argue and go to law school, I'm like, tell me which is the hardest race and argue that because there is no right answer. I mean, you know, and so it's really fun to see them kind of get invested in something that they never thought they would get invested in. But my colleague told me, and I now do a better job, I think, of acknowledging how weird it is. Um, because he was like, imagine if you had to take a course on competitive cornhole or bags or whatever you call it. And I'm like, well, that would be stupid. Why would anybody do that? And he's like, that's what your students think this is. And I was like, you're not wrong. <laughs> so yeah. that's amazing. That's so cool, though. I think that's like, sounds like the coolest course and or i guess here's the thing though like you're passionate about it and that comes across you know i just think that there's so much to be said about that because if you were just teaching this in like a very basic way you probably wouldn't be passionate about it and the students wouldn't be passionate about it so you'd just be like well what are we doing you know i completely agree with that and i would think because i mean you're a teacher and you my sister is a teacher and she tells me that like the students actually are so interested in like who you are as a person yes. and, they don't, and and we have these walls that we don't let them enter that side of the wall right and so this is a way for them to kind of get to know me as well yeah. and to the point where three years removed I have a student emailing me and was like hey, did you see that documentary on 30 for 30 about the Tara Humara? Because, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. I saw Courtney finally, or I saw Jim finally won UTMB. And I'm like, you know, and they That's only so cool. do that because they, not that they care about those things, but it's because it's a way that we can connect. Yeah. Couldn't before. And so I think the passion thing that you identify is is so true. I mean, I love that course. Um, and I think that that rubs off on them. Totally. I, I think next year, the one request is after the, they run their ultra and they can't get into their lofts, you have their roommates film it and then you put together a montage and that's how you can end the school year. Yes. And <laughs> and I'll play it for the next year's class. Yes. Say, it would be a good hook at the beginning. You'd be like, what, <laughs> what happened to these people? You know, oh, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had to stop showing the Barkley marathons first because that that's all they ever thought ultra running was. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's not really doing the sport justice. So <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. This is much more realistic. <laughs> um, Emily, any anything else you want to add or like anything you're looking forward to? Oh, I wanted to add something. I'm sorry. That's I okay. watched I got to watch a documentary uh through the breckenridge film festival actually we showed up to the breckenridge film festival on saturday and 
this our our guy who was kind of introducing us and all that stuff was like yeah man you missed it yesterday there was this really cool documentary about this insanely cold race uh in minnesota and i was like whoa i'm like was that the arrowhead 135 he's like yeah dude and it was like freezing cold and there's all these people going out and doing them doing it and stuff i'm like i'm like was there a guy in the race wearing a, a raccoon hat and he's like yeah that guy he was the, he had the best hat in the race and i was like i that's ryan you know that was the first time we had talked to or you would talk to ryan i mean i was in the car so i feel yeah. like yeah but yeah, yeah it was it was because that's why i reached out originally was because yeah. that race was a polar he, vortex here a polar vortex it was freezing cold yeah and um and i was like man like i wanted to interview somebody there i'm like who was out there the longest and i saw <laughs> ryan and i had emailed him on facebook or messaged him on facebook like i don't know if this is you but i think it's you but were you in this race and i don't know so it's just so funny um but i watched the documentary and it was awesome i loved it because i had heard you haven't seen it oh all right well i'm gonna build it up for you guys so it's called 40 below and it's about the arrowhead 135 that you guys were at <laughs> but to me like you know i'd heard stories of that race and i've always thought somebody needs to make a film about the winter ultras because no one's ever done that and they went out and did it and it's a really well-made film there's a lot of interesting people like whose stories they follow and stuff but um and i was also just it made me proud of this podcast because as I was watching it, I'm like, there. I've interviewed four of the people who I've seen in this film. <laughs> you know, it's so cool. You are ahead of your ahead of your time, I guess. But uh, but I will say this. I know I'm. I know I'm like biased. I think Ryan steals the film. He's only in it for a few scenes, but I think he steals the show. So we were supposed to go. Well. We, it sold out in Minneapolis, so we weren't able to go. And then we were out of town, I think, somewhere. And so we weren't able to go to the second showing. But every time they had a showing, somebody would reach out and be like, oh, my God, Ryan, so funny, or I loved you. And he would look at me and be like, I don't remember <laughs> what I said. Because I think from what I understand, they capture him at the end of the race and they like popped out of nowhere. And so he wasn't sure if he was hallucinating or not is what I've heard that this is about. And so he's looking at me like, I have no idea what I said to those guys. Like, I think I know, but I really don't even know what I think I know. So, so we're excited to finally get to see it. I don't know when it will happen. I mean, but... what he's, and I don't want spoiler alert since oh, don't. he doesn't remember and you don't know, but. It's like one of my favorite things I think I've seen in any of these movies. It was so good. And I'm like, dude, so awesome. But I will say this, like, not only was that really funny and I was cracking up, but like, I don't know, just watching him finish and watching you stand there and give him a hug. Like I got emotional and I know it's because probably because I know you guys, but like you can tell how much it meant and stuff. And I just thought that was, it was really cool and really powerful. You know, it's nice. Thank you for saying that. First of all, um, he's done so many incredible, like insane things that like, it's nice, I think to be able, hopefully whenever we get to see it, to have that as a remembrance that like yeah. 
this is a big deal. And back when it was your first time doing this big deal, it was scary and it was hard. And I think he's so calm and cool all the time that it kind of gets lost, I think, about how maybe even he's handling it. I don't know. But yeah. it's it's a good reminder. So I think I'm that's grateful. what comes across is it's not like you could tell it was hard and you could tell it was intimidating. And I think it comes across and I'm like, I don't know. It just, to me, it really touched me. I was like, that was awesome. So anyways, I can't wait for you guys to see it. (laughs) It's a good juxtaposition from the ITI wine drinking fest of the COVID. (laughs) Well, yeah. And now the other end of the spectrum. (laughs) Well, you guys kind of have this training thing down, huh? Like he goes and does a winter thing. You go and do summer things like that's just kind of worked out. It works out. I mean, it works out. We don't have children that we have to juggle. We have a new puppy. Um, but if we're doing different schedules, then that works out. But yeah, it definitely means we're not around each other all the time. Which yeah, is, which that's hard. Yeah, but. for sure. Nice. Well, you guys are both awesome. Please come we out to Colorado you. again. Yeah. I was so I, I was, was just about to say where well, I'm not doing a Colorado race this year. No. So <laughs> All right. Well, I have the Black Hills 100 five stars. Yeah, you come right to us it. this time. You know You'll what? Love it. it might have to happen because I'm like South Dakota, not super far away. You know, it's not. It's a it's a nice, lovely, no cell reception drive, but it is oh, um, perfect. Yeah, but we can put you up. We can have you do the beer mile. We can crew you. We can pace you. Oh man! All right, I'm gonna mark. I'm gonna look it up for real when I get done, and we'll see. Cause I don't have anything on the schedule for next summer. So. End of June. End of end of June. Okay, we'll see if that works. So I don't know. Talk we'll a buddy. See. Talk a buddy into doing Bighorn. Somebody do Bighorn, and then somebody do Black Hills. Okay. Trip of it. Bring yeah. the family to Rushmore. I mean, that's just, you got to do it. There you go. All right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll catch up with you guys soon. Yep. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. See ya. All righty. That wraps up the episode. A huge thanks to Emily for coming on. That was an absolute blast. Uh, and it always is talking with Emily. So uh, it's just so good to hear about the success that she's finding in the sport um along with the bumps and bruises and bloody knees along the way um i do want to say uh if you're interested i know she talked about the training plan that she used um and i think she might have forgot to mention the name of the company so it's www.trailtransformation.com um and i'm checking it out right now and i think it's awesome and i'm like you know it's it's planting that seed for me uh to maybe actually come up with a plan next spring uh before the big summer race season and all of that um so check that trail transformation um and i do want to say the movie which i got to see that we talked a little bit about in the episode uh it's called 40 below um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen distribution wise or where it's going to end up landing. Uh, but when you get a chance to watch it, and I'm sure I'm going to mention it back on the episode, we'll probably, um, I want to try to do an episode about the movie because I think for me, I'm just really interested in the obstacles that one would face 
when filming a race where it is freezing cold it is like beyond cold it is a polar vortex and you have camera crew and equipment and you're trying to cover 135 miles of a trail like i i just have so many questions about how that was done and how that was possible and the story that they were telling um but that's called 40 below i am totally biased but uh ryan and emily steal the movie and made me cry so that's my review uh, without spoiler alerts um they made me laugh they made me cry they made me smile they made me be inspired and isn't that all you want you know what i mean like when you're watching something isn't that what you want to to take out of it at the end of the day um so yeah i can't wait for everyone out there to be able to see that it is it is pretty fantastic um and after talking with Emily and kind of just thinking about training and events and thinking about going on my run this morning, right? Um, we're approaching this season where, at least for me, it's it gets hard because I went out on my run this morning. I left in the dark. I ran up a mountain in the dark and I ran down still in the dark and I got back to my car and it was still dark out and that is difficult um because I think part of me that loves this sport and the part of me that kind of like part of the reason why I'm so passionate about going trail running is because I do like to see the beauty in the environment that's surrounding me while I go for a run and that is kind of taken away from me in the winter for most of the of the runs because I have to do it at specific times of day where you're just not going to see that. Um, and I was thinking about that this morning and I was like, man, this is the time of year where I really have to just embrace the workout part of it, like how it makes me feel physically and, and feeling like I get in better shape and all of that. Like I have to embrace that because... I am missing the other aspects that I like so much. Um, and right now I'm training for something that's going to be super amazing. Uh, and I'm very, very excited for it. And it's going to happen in like two weeks. Uh, and I think we're going to probably try to do an episode um, with a couple of the guys uh, who I'm going with uh, on this big adventure. It's not really a race. It's more of like an expedition. Um but we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Uh, but I am training for something. And I've kind of like peaked my training right now. And I'm really sore. I'm not going to lie. I just had COVID like three weeks ago too. And I don't know if that's playing into it or if I lost some muscle mass during being sick or something. But man, I got to tell you, I am sore. And uh, so I'm hoping the next week and a half of just kind of recovery and um tapering and stuff like that is gonna is gonna make me feel not as sore that's the plan so uh but yeah we will give you more info about that and yeah come back next week we got an awesome one next week it is not about trail running it is about something called speed flying and it's with this amazing dude who is really really good at speed flying and uh he's an incredible athlete and I was fascinated and I'm sure I asked a bunch of really dumb, simple questions about this sport that I 
didn't really even know existed until like a year and a half ago. So uh, it's a super fun conversation. So uh, that'll be next week. All right. Talk to you then.